Hi there, I'm Gavin Crawford. I'm a writer, an actor, and a comedian. And for the last eight or nine years, I have been navigating life with my mother's increasing dementia. Has it been sad? Yeah. Has it been funny? Also, yeah. That's what my brand new podcast series, Let's Not Be Kidding, is about. It's the true story of my life as a comedian, my mom, and dementia. Let's Not Be Kidding, with me, Gavin Crawford. A new seven-part series from CBC Podcasts, available now. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. This is White Coat Blackheart. Our show last week looked at the challenges facing the UK's National Health Service, or NHS, among them. Far too many patients, especially frail seniors, and not enough hospital beds. Recently, I visited a place where hospital beds aren't always necessary to provide hospital-type care. So we've got to find somewhere we can leave this. Who are we visiting? So we're visiting a lady that I've met. It's a brand-new referral. We know that she's had uh, been treated by her GP with some oral antibiotics, but she's not doing well and feeling worse. So we're going to come and have a look at her and see if we can do anything to make her better. Professor Dan Lasserson, a physician specializing in the care of older people, is taking me on a house call like none I've ever seen before. So this is quite common when we see people where we think they would, would, would a period of intravenous treatment be more effective, or is it just needs more time, or there's in fact there's another diagnosis to be made. Lasserson knows his way around a hospital. But he's also one of the main drivers behind a program whose aim is to deliver hospital-style acute care in patients' homes. Calling number. Yeah, hi, it's Door open. We've come to a long-term care home in Tame, a town 20 kilometers east of Oxford. We're here to see a patient named Joan Baxter. Hello, Joan. My name's Dan. I'm one of the doctors. Nice to see you. Oh, hello, Dan. Hello. I've got a friend of me from Canada called Brian. Is he OK to come and listen in? He's a doctor yeah, from Canada. That's very oh, kind. Thank you. Oh, hello. I'm Brian. <laughs> Have you been to Canada? Uh, yes, but it was um, only through the, um, oh, the panhandle of Alaska. Ah, Alaska cruise. Mm. Nice. I'm Jerry, friend of Joan. I've known her 55 years. I know the old family. She couldn't do one step yesterday. So you called the ambulance? I called the ambulance, yeah. How are you doing, Joan? Well, I'm, I think I'm being looked after very well because uh, they seem to be quite thorough to find out what, what went wrong with me all of a sudden. It was like I got hit with something. How's your breathing? Not bad, really, is it? It was a little bit erratic yesterday because you were trying hard to walk and you couldn't. How do you feel the, with doctors coming to see you? This, this is quite an elaborate house call. <laughs> well, yes. I, I said my, my tummy must be the most looked at tummy. <laughs> hi, hi, hi. hi. How, do you, how are you feeling? Well, strange in the sense yeah. that I, I don't feel how I usually feel. Yes, that's important. <laughs> Have you got any pain anyway? Lower tum at the moment. Lower tummy? Tell me about your walking. Oh, my legs don't want to walk, but I don't want them to forget they are for walking. And that sounds very sensible. And tell me about this tummy. 
That that used you to be. Sore. Yeah, sore. Yeah, on the liver region here. The liver region. The liver. Yeah, like that. No, yes. I'm just pressing very gently. Should we have a little scan <coughs> and see what's happening inside? Lasserson confers with Davinia Newell, a nurse doing her master's in advanced clinical practice, who's also on the team. We'll start with the tummy, and then we're going to scan the rest of you. Okay. All oh, right. Yeah. Davinia's going to do the scanning, but a cold on the tummy. It's <laughs> <laughs> Those A-lines, that's bowel, that's gas in bowel. The scanner is a miniature ultrasound. Davinia puts goop on a probe and presses it on the belly, sending crisp pictures of Joan's insides to her smartphone. After the belly, they scan the heart and the lungs. So large intestine? What did you say? Aorta. Oh, the heart. That can't be the heart, that's it's never side. I notice a book that Joan wrote called One Man's Gold. Lasserson takes note as well. She was an auxiliary nurse in Jordan. Oh, wow. In Jordan? Oh, what is it? And she's written two books about her journey. That's amazing. That's Are they here? Yeah, they're on there. So, from what we've done, theoretically, we should be able to help you get on your feet. Oh, that would be wonderful. So, I think we want to try and do that now. Well, right. Wait a second. So, Davina's the expert. She's going to tell me what to do. Right. Ah. So what you need to do, do you want to sit up a minute? So I think actually yeah, maybe she just got better ahead of time than people were worried about her. Tincture of time. But if we hadn't come, she'd be on her way into the ED. There we go. How are you feeling stood up? Yep, that's fun. Not dizzy? No. Do you want to no. try having a little walk? Yes. Go ahead. Head, head towards Canada, head towards Canada. We're going to put that right yes. now. Oh, right. It's been very reassuring to come and see you. I'm quite happy with what I've seen. So we'll get the our blood results yeah. back and, um, and, and we'll catch up again probably tomorrow with a phone call. Yeah, that would be lovely. Really nice to meet you, Joan. <laughs> Take care now. I hope you continue to feel better, okay? Thank you. All right. On the street outside the long-term care home, I chat with Davinia. What was your take on, on, on Joan Baxter, who you just assessed with uh, with Dan? So I think it was a really good assessment. We could keep her at home. Um, so we did a very thorough assessment with her. We did a point-of-care ultrasound, blood work, blood cultures, urine. Um, well, we sent off her an MSU to see if there's anything in there because she's had a recent... Yeah, see if she's got a urinary... Yeah, because she's had a recent one. Um, obviously, we checked her functionally as well and she could mobilise to the bathroom with her Zimmer, which I think she'd lost a little bit of confidence as well because she had a fall three weeks ago and we ended up in hospital. So, you know, it's just reassuring and communication with her and allowing her and feeding back to the carers that she can stay at home rather than be admitted into a acute hospital setting unless absolutely necessary. You've been an in-hospital nurse before? Yeah, for lots of years, 16 years. My main speciality was... Orthopedics. So, so compare everything you did yeah. with Joan to what you would do in hospital. Was there much of a difference? No, I think most of the point of care tests, you know, we can do within the home so we can get a good general overview and a holistic assessment. So we're looking at all sorts of the functional abilities, you know, the social aspects, making sure she's eating and drinking. So there's, we, we deliver it all in the home, what we would do in hospital. There's only, you know, we've even got the point of care ultrasound now, so the scanning was the only thing. We can't obviously do x-rays and things in the home, but now we've got the point of care ultrasound that opens up a new avenue that we can uh, rule in. You're enjoying it? I love it. Yeah, I love it. I do love it. It's very good, very challenging for me. It's, yeah, I'm coming to the end of my master's now, so just doing my dissertation and then I'll be a fully-fledged um, a Jedi. You'll be, you'll be a, oh, so that's what they call them, Jedi. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's very exciting. It's good for nursing. It makes us more autonomous. You know, we're working with professionals like Professor Dan, who's amazing, and yeah, it's very good for me. Nice to talk to you. And you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
We head back to Lasserson's car. There are 28 other patients admitted to this hospital ward on wheels. No time to waste. Tell me about the patients that you see. So these patients are very often frail, often living alone or living supported with care packages or supported by family, or they're in care homes. And the patients often, well, they're, often, they're always given a choice. So a hospital home is never forcing anybody. And when we see people who are unwell, we say, well, there are two ways to deal with this. We can either, either come into hospital, there's always a bed if you want one, or we can do this at home. And we explain what, what it might look like to be at home in the hospital. And the ones we see are the patients who choose home. But I've got to say, you know, 999 times out of 1,000, people, people choose home. How old are they? What kinds of diseases do they have? So the average age is about 75, but the range, that hides a range that goes from 16 years to 105. And some of the younger patients that we see are often kids who've been living with a long-term condition since they were born. Very common problems that we see are older adults who are frail, who have become confused or whose mobility is reduced or who've had a fall. Um, and what we call an acute frailty syndrome or geriatric syndrome, if you like. You'll find that a lot of conditions are associated with the development of frailty. Obesity, vascular disease, uh, type 2 diabetes. Um, and, and I think we're seeing heart failure in patients who you know, have got the risk factors for heart failure. And these patients are often in the last months to years of life and they just don't want hospital anymore but they still want treatment and I think it's a, I think it's a it's a it's an important thing to honestly realize going you know why make hospital or home binary you know you either come to hospital get everything or stay at home and get nothing you know why, why be binary about it so it's up to us to say okay how do we innovate how do we apply what we know how do we adapt it the effectiveness of the program how do you measure it what it's doing to know that it's doing what you want it to do. We need to ensure that we're doing replacement care. We've done about, I guess, about 3,000 bed days a year uh, of treatment where we're giving in IVs in the home. That if we weren't doing it, they'd have to be in hospital bed to get the same care. And that's telling us something around, around the range of what we're doing. We reckon that we, we would probably need a 20-bedded 20 20 ward active 24-7 to deliver what we're, the volume and complexity of what we're delivering in the home environment. But would it be as expensive or less expensive to treat them at home? So it's less expensive. It's less expensive. And that's just not me saying it. There are randomised trials that show it's around £2,500 per patient less expensive. So it is, it is, it is cheaper. There's, there's fewer staff. And even things like, OK, just even look at the basics, you know. These are people living in their own homes, eating their own foods. So there's what you might call the hotel costs of a hospital aren't needed. Anything that you can put into a vein in the hospital, we can put into a vein in the home. Our diagnostics are less. We don't use so many lab bloods. We use a lot of point of care. We don't use x-rays. Very rarely use CTs. Based a lot of our assessments and judgments on point of care ultrasound. There's a whole kind of, you know, Broadway cast of, of people that are making hospital up and running that we don't need to use. Uh, because we've all, we're, we're kind of absorbing different elements of those tasks ourselves we're using a different technological platform you know every so often we do things I think like that we could never do that at home and then I find that we can we'd have to adapt something often adapting ourselves and our own culture rather than necessarily a particular 
drug delivery mechanism or speed or anything. Often it's just about us accepting that it can be done. And, and getting people out of, a, out of a kind of a preconceived mindset. Yeah. I think that's it. I think, I think, I think we... The climate is changing. So are we. I'm Laura Lynch, and I host What on Earth? That's CBC's Climate Solutions podcast. Twice a week, we take you around the world to find the people who are trying to build a better future for all of us. We explore Indigenous science, new technologies. We talk openly about mental health and climate anxiety. We also take your smart questions all the time. Come find What on Earth wherever you get your podcasts. Hold ourselves back more than our processes hold us back. We'll be right back. You're listening to White Coat Blackheart. The acute hospital at home program at Oxford, England has been running for several years. Professor Dan Lasterson is showing me how to bring effective and safe hospital care right into patients' homes. Much of the time, he and his team are on the road, but not always. Okay, and who are we expecting anyone else? I don't know about the pharmacists. I don't know where they're at. Are they going to be on Teams? I'm not sure. Let's have a look. I think they said they'd be here in person. Yeah. Um, Let me just check. Lasserson brings me to a team meeting at a conference room at the John Radcliffe Hospital in Oxford. It's the program's home base. Davinia Newell, who we met before, is on the road. But I get to meet the other team members. Hi, my name is Sophie. I'm one of the clinical pharmacists with the hospital at home team. Hi, my name's Lorna, and I'm also one of the clinical pharmacists in the hospital at home team. Hi, I'm Sarah, the matron for virtual wards. Hi, my name's Olivia, and I'm a paramedic with the hospital at home team. Hi, my name's Dan, and I'm the uh, lead medic for the hospital at home team. Nice to meet you. Lasterson, who's been off for a week, gets the download on the roster of patients being treated at home. Right, OK. So we have got quite a few patients, actually. We've got 29. 29. And, but there are a couple that just need discharging, which... I just needed me to say just, discharge. I just need okay. to give people a kick. OK, OK. <laughs> All right. So he's 84. Yep. Care home resident. Care home resident. With nursing. Background of vascular dementia, type 2 diabetes, Parkinson's and CKD. Lasserson and the team review each patient in painstaking detail. Medications, test results, you name it. With upper GI bleed, no intervention needed on OGD. The two or three referrals they get per day come from emergency doctors, GPs, paramedics and even concerned relatives. Patients who've been treated at home can ask to be seen again. The team comes equipped to give all kinds of intravenous fluids and a long and ever-increasing list of hospital-type medications they can administer at home. Has she had something stopped? Any of the medicines stopped them when she was discharged? She wasn't on it. She wasn't on it. The team comes from eclectic backgrounds. Sophie McGlenn is a pharmacist, but she's taking her training way beyond that. So how long have you been with the team? Uh, I started with the team about five years ago. Um, The team has developed enormously in that period of time, from going from just doing bloods at home to being able to give everything that we would try and do in a hospital admission at home. You did a lot of the talking at the meeting. You you obviously know your stuff. (laughs) 
yeah, I've been really lucky to be supported in my own personal development within this team as well during that time. So um, I'm the first pharmacist at the Trust to be going through the advanced clinical practice training. Um, I've been really lucky to be able to be the first pharmacist in the Trust to do um, point-of-care ultrasound, to be able to do phlebotomy and administer You're a pharmacist IVs. who does point-of-care ultrasound? Yes. We have nothing like that in Canada. <laughs> I'm Tell me about the croquet. <laughs> If you think that's amazing, tell me about the croquet. Yeah, I've just come back from a month in New Zealand playing in the Croquet World Championships. <laughs> and you do croquet. Congratulations. I didn't do very well. Sadly, there were no Canadian representatives. So why is it important for you to do point-of-care ultrasound as well? It adds another string to my bow in being able to make clinical decisions outside of the hospital setting. Can you give me a, for instance, in which it made a difference where you were able to do a yeah. point-of-care ultrasound on somebody, say, with heart failure and change yeah. the dose of their medication? So there was a gentleman that we saw oh, a couple of years ago now who was given to us as a respiratory tract infection, multiple admissions to hospital previously, but had dementia and the GP felt he was best treated at home. So we went to see him. He'd had a dose of IV antibiotics the day before, but when I'd reviewed his bloods, the bloods didn't look infectious to me. So I was able to do a point-of-care ultrasound, which showed bilateral pleural effusions. So water on the lungs, heart yeah. failure. So okay, heart failure. Know. So I stopped the IV antibiotics, started diuretics for him, which made a massive difference. And as a result, we stopped a load of sedative medicines that had all been started for this agitation and walking around at night. Wow. There's a convergence of skill sets. Like everybody seems to be learning additional skills on the team yeah. so that they're all able to kind of be a bit more interchangeable. Yeah, and I think the upskilling of everybody in the across the multidisciplinary team is one of the really great things that keeps morale high in our team, means that we're able to recruit easily in an environment in the NHS where recruitment and morale is really difficult right now. Wow. This is a happy room. It was a, yeah. a happy team. Yeah, it is a happy team. And I think that's what's keeping the team progressing continually because everybody's eager to do the next thing. Perfect. <laughs> so, he loves it. And she's staying there fuming going, someone else is in my house. And he's going, thank God you're here. I don't want to go to hospital. Yeah. And so we're sort of, we're balancing the kind of, so his, his joy at care at home is kind of negated by his wife's <laughs> displeasure at care at home. Uh, my name's Olivia. Um, I'm a paramedic. I've worked for this team for about a year. I guess it's, uh, it's a lot different to 909 ambulance work, and I think that's what I enjoy the most. We call it, it's, it's community paramedicine. Absolutely, yeah, I like that term. Yeah, we'll, we'll go that's with That's what we call it in Canada. Ooh, no, I like that. That's good. And I, feel, I, just, I love being able to try and advocate for patients. I've, seen, I've brought a lot of patients to hospital in my time, and it's, so, it's really, really nice to just keep them at home and do things for them and do hospital treatments for them, what they need. Are, are you the first person who sees the patient? Some, sometimes, yeah, a lot of the time when we've received a referral from a GP where they've taken a phone call from a family member but they've not physically seen them but they would like us to go out and go out and see them because they know what skills that we have and what what we can do for them so we're often the first and when you're there you can take a history you can do blood work yeah. you can do an ultrasound uh, not me personally, but there are people in the team who can. It's coming, I'll bet. It's, it's coming. coming, coming. <laughs> cool. And I've seen you change. That's my... Yeah. I wonder if you, what you thought about that. Yeah, I, I agree, actually. Being able to see, you know, the whole patient journey. I only ever got a snapshot, but now I'm seeing them from start of illness to, to recovery. And I think that's, that's what's shaping it a bit. Right. 
The meeting wraps up. The team members come from different backgrounds, but their skills are interchangeable. Masterson says it's no accident. So what you're doing is assembling a set of Swiss Army knives. That's exactly the phraseology I use. They've got all these different functions, or like, um, like Marvel, you know, superheroes. They can all take part in the fight, but they've all got their own unique thing. And if you were to say in one sentence, what's the one thing that distinguishes this hospital at home program from others? It's diagnosis, making a diagnosis in the field. Yeah, and once you make a diagnosis, you can do a load of treatment. And when you do a load of treatment, uh, you can do a load of monitoring. It just changes everything completely. That ability to accurately assess and treat patients at home is often put to the test, as we're about to find out with a patient named Granville Fleet. His daughter, who was a bit microphone shy, let us in. Hi, I'm Dan Asim, hospital home team. Thank you very much. Davinia Newell, who we met Hello. earlier, fills her mentor Hi. in. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. It's Granville. My name is Daniel. I'm a doctor in the hospital home team. Hello. So. So. How are you doing? So yeah. So this is lovely Granville. Uh, yeah. Pleased yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you, sir. Pleased to meet you. So about Sunday tea time, yeah. which is going out to the toilet before dinner, and he yeah. felt quite weak. Yeah. Had a little bit of his dinner, and he vomited a small amount back. Mm. Felt a bit shivery. Skin was cold. Had some urinary symptoms. So on Tuesday, he went before he went to the doctors, mm. and they did a um, urine sample, and it's grown sensitivities to nitrofurantoin he's on. Um, okay. So he started that this Saturday. So he's only had three doses because he can't take it. He wasn't eating or drinking or anything, taking anything. Just managed to start getting him drinking a little bit today. Yeah. Okay. What's a normal day like for you? If you if you're not unwell, what kind of things would you be getting up to? Normal point. <laughs> he goes to a day club on Monday, Wednesday yeah. and Friday oh, and he yeah. thoroughly enjoys that. Right. He's going to be 94 next month. 94. It's good, isn't it? celebrated the birthdays together. Is that right? Big party. Okay, so you'd help him every day to get up, get yep. washed, showered. Yeah. And then put food sure. in front of him and all that as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you're kind of doing everything yeah. for him, really. Yeah. Okay, should we go tell what you found? So I had a listen to his chest. On the left side, I can hear like a rub. It sounds yeah. like a rub. Okay. Um, and when I've done the ultrasound, I can see some bee lines as well. I'll let you look at the scans, though. Make sure you're happy with them. Nice. You've got beautiful kidneys. <laughs> You've got beautiful kidneys. They really are. Well, I think we could, probably, we could probably give him a bit more... Um, a strange antibiotics to maybe something a bit more effective, I think. Because uh -huh. there is there's an infection in the chest. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I think probably is making him more well. So. Uh -huh. I think it'll be fine to start all antibiotics tomorrow, but we could give him an intravenous shot now yeah. that will just kickstart the whole process of recovery. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to just flush this needle. Well, he's been on take talk for a long time. Just relax your arm. Yeah, I'm going to do antibiotics. I just want to time this one. It works well. Got to do this one a little bit slower. Be um, all right? There we go. I'm just going to flush that now with some sterile water. That's your fluid for the day. You need to drink more. <laughs> Hopefully you'll enjoy that sausage and mash later that your lovely daughter's going to make for you. Right, I've just got a little injection for your tummy as well, if that's okay. So this just one thins your blood until we can get those blood thinners. So it'll be a little bit of a sharp scratch, okay? Lovely, thank you very much. Good, you should feel a bit better now. Yeah. You're very lucky to have a daughter that looks after you so well, you're very lucky. I, I tell you the right direction, don't I? 
Or at least I try my best. Yeah. That's what they always taught us. Great. Okay. <laughs> May a telephone call tomorrow? Yeah. Um, um, get Urgent Care to come and see you as well about and there's your helping you. Getting some more support. Yeah. The thing is, you're job. exhausted, well, aren't you? I'd say your job is is on your relationship I with him, it, yeah. and not yeah. the personal care, which should be our job. Yeah. What does it mean to you to be able to have doctors uh, and and advanced uh, practice nurses coming to to the home to, to see your dad? A lot. A lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so That's much. Right. Okay. Thank you. Happy seventieth. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Take care of yourself. All right. All right. Take care. Yes. Okay. You're very welcome. Dan Lasserson has big plans for hospital at home care. There's still plenty for us to do in terms of scaling up our capacity, in terms of making a hospital or hospital at home a choice for, for people where it's relevant. And for a lot of people, it is. You must have detractors. You must have people who, who are just waiting for somebody to die at home who they would claim would never have died in hospital. Like, what are you trying to change in their mind? I guess I, you know, I kind of welcome debate. I kind of say, well, have you ever seen it in the flesh, up close? Have you ever seen what it can do? And, you know, there's a lot of corridor trash talk from certain, certain consultants in the hospital who would always be trying to talk it down, say it doesn't work, don't believe it. Um, there's a lot of trash talk from colleagues. It stopped people from sort of opening their eyes and, and, just, and just walking in saying, OK, what are you doing? Let's have a look. Let's look at data. Let's look at... And if you still don't like it afterwards, at least you can say why. And if people think it's not right for a particular reason, then let us know and we can maybe do something about that. You know, because everyone gets kind of stuck in their own, in their own silo a bit. How do you scale this up? How do you get other, other hospitals, other cities to, to, to give this a try and do it at the level that you're doing it at? Uh, if I could answer that, then yeah, uh, I would have done it already. If I'm being honest, I don't know. So how do we tell people what we do the way we do it? It's kind of hard to write papers about this stuff. A lot of it is experiential, seeing it and, and getting a sense of what's going on. To partly address this, this question, we set up a new society, the UK Hospital at Home Society. And that idea was to sort of support innovators around the country, deliver a lot more. We could, you know, be stronger together, sort of kind of, I guess, to speed up and scale up learning. And so I think, I think that sort of novel professional grouping is part of how you do that. Well, this is an amazing program and it's been an amazing day and I want to thank you for uh, taking me around. Hey, it's been a pleasure. It's great to have had your company. Um, and I like, I, like, I like it when physicians in other environments come and see what we do. Have you had interest from, uh, from doctors in Canada? You're our first one. <laughs> You're our first one. In Canada, BC has a hospital at home program, but not at the level of the care that I saw delivered at Oxford. Still, the people who run the Island Health Hospital at Home program in BC say they've saved patients nearly 10,000 days in hospital. To do what this team does in Canada, we need a lot more geriatric specialists, and we need to train up a lot more family doctors. The initial success of Lasserson's vision was that it reduced the number of patients who need hospital beds. Along the way, they discovered that patients and their loved ones prefer being hospitalized at home. That's as good a reason as any to give hospital at home a serious try. That's our show this week. If you have comments, email us at whitecoat at cbc.ca. White Coat Black Art was produced this week by our senior producer, Colleen Ross, with help from Jeff Goods, Amina Zoffer, and Stephanie Dubois. Our digital producer is Adam Killick. 
That's medicine from my side of the gurney. I'm Brian Goldman. See you next week. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.